Welcome everybody to another episode of the Panthers Nation Network. Now this one, guys, we're going to just have to jump right into it because there is way too much to talk about after the draft. One of the more interesting drafts I can remember in the last couple of years, there was a lot going on and a lot of intrigue leading up to it. But before we get to that, just really quickly mentioning two big things that happened. We'll ask the guys about their thoughts on it. Of course, in between the weeks, we saw shipped out Teddy to the Denver Broncos, got a pick for him, either pick or two. I can't remember entirely what the specifics of it were, and then picked up Sam's fifth your option that was pretty we, pre- we pretty much knew that was going to happen at some point or the other what was your thoughts on the trade and the fact that we picked up the option so quickly and before you know any gameplay actually happened Tyler I'll let you I'll let you shoot first yeah you know <clears throat> Teddy leaving was it was bound to happen it, we weren't going to be able to keep him especially with you know I, th- I think as an organization we still do like Will Greer and PJ Walker to the point where we want to keep them and so keeping Teddy with Sam Darnold and and, you know, Teddy was already kind of upset about the moves that have been made, and uh, it, the Panthers were very outspoken about him potentially being on the trade block. And here it, it finally happened, and we got a sixth-round pick for it. And it's better than nothing at this point. I thought we were going to release him. So a sixth-round pick, I can't be too mad about it. Um, when we saw how much that pick made a difference, and we started stacking these picks, and I'm sure we'll get into it. But um, we t- he needed a fresh start. We needed to get him out of there. And for us to get a sixth-round pick, I can't complain. Yeah, same. I, I mean, like, 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 like you said, I mean, we knew Teddy wasn't going to be the guy moving forward. Luckily, we, we were able to get a deal done. Was it great for us? I mean, in terms of fin- financially, I think I think we're eating seventeen million dollars. We still have to pay him out this year. If I, I could, I could be wrong on that, but it's around I mean, that point. It's all worth it if you feel like you got your guy. You feel like you made the right move. Yet got him out of there. It, it lessens up the stress of who's going to start, or, I mean, is he still potentially fighting for a job? And, again, everybody needed a fresh start, and and it was best for everybody at, at the end of the day. No, I definitely think it's going to the fifth-year option. Figured it, knew that was going to happen. A little interesting to see it before any gameplay is done, but I think with the just logistics of the draft and what you're wanting to do, I mean, clearly in the draft we can talk about, it, like I said, I mean, they had weapons on their mind for him. They want to make it as easy as they can for him to be successful. So I understand the fifth-year option. I mean, that was one of the reasons, again, why we picked him up, you know, as we did. We liked that fifth-year option. Helps you out a little bit contractually and a little bit with your budget. So I understand why we did that, and there was really no shock as to why we did it. Um, it was just interesting, you know, how it's all are going to go down and we talk about i mean the main thing about this draft is in reality like the main the main theme of it is that he has no excuses it is up to him and the coaching staff there is really no excuses i mean obviously these guys are young that's the problem with the draft is that a lot of these times people go oh my god we've just now flipped our entire team over but they're not going to develop that quickly and they're not going to be they're not going to perform that quickly we saw that obviously this last year where you had only three or four guys out of seven now with 11 <laughs> you better be batting pretty high if you're going to go for 11 and you got that many times so with the picks seem they seem to be good now of course we'll have to wait and see how they're going to do and it's a tough division it's a tough conference you know to play in in terms of especially at a younger age so we can't. We got to keep our heads on us and know this draft class is not going to propel us to the Super Bowl right away. It's it's exciting. I'm not going to lie. It's one of the more exciting rosters I've seen out of the Panthers in a little while. So I think you know Fitterer. We'll, we'll start talking about the draft. Fitterer scared me at the beginning. I mean, and not just with the picks, but just the. I mean, when you tra- when you trade out of the second round twice. Or not out of excuse me, but you trade back in the second round twice. That's not really ever heard of that much. And that was, you know, we were all trying to pace the floor, figuring out what the heck was going on. So starting off, Shawnee's and I are going to try to curtail ourselves about talking about him. But for me, man, seeing JC Horn in the black and blue going right up 77, I'm 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 gonna love any time a gamecock is is here. And it's funny how we've had almost what 
I'd say out of the Gamecocks in the NFL, about 80% of them have played for the Carolina Panthers. And that's, that's my point. At, Spitz, at some point in their career, they're drafted or playing for them, even with Farrell Cooper coming in this last year. I mean, and it's funny because, and I like it, out of all of those that have been played, we've had a couple, you know, I think we've had a couple Clemson players. I don't know, but we've never drafted one, and I find that funny, and I'm okay with that. But for, to see Horn, I mean, he's a dog. He's a fighter. He's in the SEC. I understand where people were upset because, yes, while that may or may not have been a reach for a corner, we talked about the Jeff, Jeff Akuda, you know, theory last year, how that didn't really work. But it's people if you not watch the if you don't watch the SEC or you aren't Tyler, then you're just not gonna know what he can do and or who he is unless you watch the Georgia game or a couple other games. Like South Shanti and I know what he can do. And we know what I think they did is they saw the receivers coming into the into this division. And they're always I mean even Mike Evans is probably you know t- teetering a little bit, but he or or maybe Mike Thomas is you know coming down a little bit, but there's still some firepower in terms of the other side. So we finally, for the first time, prioritized cornerback with the best corner we draft. We've drafted that high since probably Chris Gamble. Yeah. So for me, we'll all let Shanti talk about Justin Fields, but for me, I was I was a fan. Look, I understand why everybody was, was frustrated with that pick because, I mean, even if you go back to our Instagram live, I, I was calling Justin Fields from the rip. I, I just – I was like, you know, it's hard for me to see letting a guy like that Past you know, past you, especially if you feel like he's well, a lot of people feel like he was quarterback two coming out, even though things had changed throughout the process. But I will say this I don't, you know, for the people that say it's a reach, it's okay, it's like this. Well, I have to look at how the Panthers looked at the situation. Was the best offensive tackle available because we knew we were in, we were in play for offensive tackle? Was he available? No, opinion. So, well, yeah, it just, it just was just gone to the pick before. Where did you write Rashawn Slater? Well, if they didn't write, if they didn't write Rashawn Slater. As high as far as, as far as if Suell is gone, he has to be the guy to come off the board next. Then go with the next position that you that you have a critical need at, and that was defensive back. And so you can get, you went from trying to pick the best offensive tackle available, he's gone to picking the best defensive back ava- available, which was J.C. Horn, which I know a lot of I mean, we all agree he was the best cornerback coming out. So is it is it a reach? Depending on depending on how you value these guys, apparently they, they value Horn enough. I felt like late later on, like in, in the process, especially like the last, like lead up to the, like the wee hours of us picking, I said JC Horn prop w- 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 is a guy that I, is a huge. It's like he's gonna be a huge possibility at number eight. We picked him up, and I'm 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 okay with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so offensive tackle gets talked about as a premium position, and it definitely is. Um, but this past couple of years, we've seen that corner spot um, creep up, and it's almost an elite uh, high-demand position now, just like an offensive tackle. And in this draft, when you look at it, the offensive line class is super deep, and we we know we needed offensive line. We needed a left tackle, and we got that in Brady Christensen. Um, but I'm I'm curious what, if we went – if we went Slater in the first, I'm not sure we get a competent corner that we could throw in as a starter. We can do that with Brady Christensen now. And we have our corner one who is hope, hopefully we can set him in there, be a lockdown guy for years to come. He's hopefully can develop into one of the best corners in the league. And, you know, after that Kyle Pitts pick at four, uh, we, we we're all reminded of the firepower that's in that division. And you have to have corners that can play. And um, I think J.C. Horn can do it because, you know, number one, first, his athleticism is off the charts. And that's why I have him ahead of Sertan, who's, who's close. But I think there's no doubt that we should have taken Horn over Sertan. And um, the other thing with Horn is he's got that dog mentality in him. And I think that goes underrated at times when people get looking at these prospects and looking at measurables, looking at you know stats and stuff. 
that dog mentality is what you need to play corner, especially as a rookie. And, you know, rookie corners, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy transition. You're covering, you know, some of the best athletes in the world running full speed at you. So it's, it's definitely transition and he's going to struggle. But if anybody has the mindset to overcome some of the struggles, it's definitely JC Horn. And I'll throw my two cents in here for Jeff because we were talking about it earlier and he was telling me how like it might not have been like Chunchi was saying, it might not have been that they didn't value Slater up that high, but kind of like Tyler was saying, the gap between Slater and the next offensive lineman was a lot smaller, They, I think, and he thinks, than the gap between Horn and whatever corner you were going to get in the second round. Because to be honest, Sertain was not going to fall to the second round. And I mean, we saw even Eric Stokes didn't even fall to the second round. Yeah. So at that point, I think that's where they prioritized it. And like you said, once Pitts goes – you know, and Tyler, I think you can you can attest to it. I mean, with the board, with what was off the board at that time, we should have been expecting JC Horn. I think the fans did it to themselves, and, and Shanti's included. They were like Shanti's was saying, the Horn. They were talking to Horn, and there was articles about Horn and their connection within the week leading up. There was other than showing up to the pro day, which of course they were going to do. There was no discussion or dialogue that we were even talking to Justin Fields other than, hey, this would be a good fit or, hey, here are the odds from Vegas. Like there was no nothing to facilitate that we would do that. So I wasn't I wasn't upset in the slightest. Now, what I think and also I think the good part about it is because, like I said, we that was the two position. I mean, if you listen to this podcast in the last year, year and a half that we've been doing it, you know, our biggest our biggest, you know, dilemmas with this team are offensive line and cornerback and how we don't prioritize those positions. We continue to get bargain bin guys to fill in for a year or two, and then they're out the door. This gives you a number one cornerback for a good couple years. And the thing about it, especially, and I think this is why they did it. They picked up Bouye. And of course, with the suspension, he can't play four games and you know who that's going to work out best for, or who can benefit the most from that is Dante Jackson. Dante's at a point right now, if he wants to be CB2, he has to prove it in those four games because it's going to be Horn and Dante. Horn's going to more than likely, depending upon how camp goes, be CB1 starting off that week. And wherever they want to put Dante, whether it's in that slot corner or they want to put him at two, Dante has four games and we'll see what the schedule is. We'll see what the schedule is when it comes out. But he has those four games to prove that he can be that D two and not play, and that DB two and not play there in the slot. Which I mean, I don't care. I don't think it's going to be bad if he plays in the spl- in the slot, but it's not going to be as utilized as much. Now, I was like, you can go shot these. I was about to say we we should be looking to move him in the slot. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you you talk about the guy that that play on the outside. At cornerback, you think I think about the receiver that I, especially in, the, in this division, this is, a, this is a big receiver division, and a lot of small guys. You got Mike Thomas, you got Mike Evans, you got Julio Jones. If if they do or don't decide to trade him, I mean, you have the guys like Calvin Ridley and, thing, and things like that. And he matches up with a lot of the other receivers in our in this division. But you need a guy like a JC that's that's a, that's a little bit it's a little bit bigger, a little bit more physical, and that can match up better with those guys that 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 you know that come in height about about six one to six three. Moving moving Jackson into the inside into the inside gives you a better matchup with a, with the guys like with the guys like Ridley, Antonio Brown. It get, it just gives you a it just helps you out a lot more. I mean, Bouye. I don't think Bouye is going to be a long term fix. Of course. We got another defensive back we, we're, we're going to talk about later on that I think could definitely fill into that role that, that they're wanting Bouye to, to fill in for, for right now. And hopefully he'll develop into a guy that can be cornerback qu- number two on the outside. And for anyone who said Horn was reaching, I mean, most mock drafts, Tyler, if I'm not mistaken, most of them didn't have him having him fall outside of top 15. So it, the idea of it, that was not going to – and it seems obviously we couldn't work anything out with the Patriots that they wanted or that we wanted 
to do so because if we thought that Horn was going to be, you know, whoever we were going to go for obviously wasn't going to be there at 15 because that's why we, I mean, that's why we didn't work that out because I think otherwise they would have tried to work that out. But most mock drafts did not have him going outside the top 10, let alone the top 15. No, no. And he was actually my player 12 on my board. And um, we, you know, we drafted him at eight and thinking about the Panthers, they probably didn't have any quarterbacks on their board. So he was probably right around there if they were thinking anywhere close to me. And yeah, there's no way we could have, we could have traded out because we saw the Dallas Cowboys who were, planning to take a corner forever they got completely screwed because you know horn and sertan went right off the board and yeah which what in the world from the broncos that was a curveball if i've ever seen one yes, it was yeah yeah i don't so do we think i mean are they starting Locke? are they starting teddy what are they doing here yeah. i have no idea probably not trade for aaron Rodgers. i i could see him and the aaron Rodgers. we could do a whole controversy on that this is where and i don't know if it's I don't know what it is that makes me think this way, but this one is more of a quarterback. Just like, just play, just shut up and play or leave. Like don't resign. If you hate it so much there, like just go somewhere else. Yeah. I, I mean, he, they caught these guys posing me. Like even, even Russell Wilson, when he had his issues and I understand his frustration, but I'm like, you didn't resign. Like you, like you, like you, you knew what you were going into. Exactly. If they weren't respecting you before the contract, I knew if, if they're not respecting you after you got the deal, they weren't respecting you before you got the contract. So I don't know why all of a sudden, like even in Deshaun's case, you know, Mr. Nasty Man, I, it will, <laughs> like why would you resign if you didn't feel that they – you resigned that deal after they traded away Hopkins. So you – so I mean, when, when, you, when, you, when you see the money and when you see the money you signed the dotted line, I, I started – I can't – I can't feel as bad for you as if you would have just, you know, stayed put, took a one-year deal, and just tried to wait it out. But, you know. Yeah, I know. So looking at the second pick. Now, in the live, I had said, you know, the what's going to make this first pick good in my mind is that if we go lineman with the second pick. We had Radon still on the board. Every, I, that's who I was wanting there. I know Tyler was wanting him too. Terrace Marshall Jr. Now, this – is interesting to me because I mean, in my mind, it's a completely a Joe Brady pick. I understand we needed height at the wide receiver position. We have a lot of small guys, but we've been working with small guys since 2015. I mean, we have we had Kelvin for one year after that, and Lord knows how that went. We had Devin, who never really found and really held his own. He showed flashes flashes of what could have been Musin like talent, but never really really lived up to it. And so we've been making it successfully without it. And I mean, honest to God. Like, this is my issue in terms of receivers, and, and it doesn't work for everybody. Look at the boxes last year. The number of receiver is Mike Evans. How many touchdowns did he actually score? How impactful was he in that Super Bowl? Very little. So I, in my mind, I get I – get, and the problem also I'm seeing here is that they tried to make him um, – they tried to make him Jefferson 2.0 this past year, and it didn't live up to it. It didn't really work. Yeah. So I just thought this was a bit of a reach, not in terms of where he was drafted, but in terms of what we needed – in terms of our priorities, I thought this was a bit of a reach to go this early for a wide receiver. Yeah. Um, so going into it, I was not a big Terrace Marshall guy, um, you know, with the film. And he, he, that was about where I had him graded. It wasn't too far off, but um, you know, I was, there were others better receivers on the board that I liked, but I can totally understand, you know, with Joe Brady and that honestly makes it, makes it feel better. Um, he was at LSU. He was the, you know, the passing game coordinator, but he worked mostly with the receivers. Um, I read, you know, he, that's who he was spending his time with was Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson and Terrace Marshall. So he knows this guy in it now. And, um, you know, coming in Marshall will know the entire offense. He's going to come in, uh, you know, a lot of receivers, 
um, take some time to, you know, get, get it going in the league. And we see that, but now, you know, Marshall comes in knowing the playbook, knowing the system, um, knowing everything that's going to be coming with it. And he's going to fit in nicely. I think um, you wish he had some more of that versatility to go in the slot. I don't think he can. We're just kind of going to kind of leave DJ as our designated slot, you know, strictly, which is fine. But um, you know, you wish he had some more versatility. He's great off the line of scrimmage. That was my one thing with Marshall is those, all the three of those LSU receivers were phenomenal off the line and uh, you can not press them. So I like what we can do. I like him as an athlete. A vertical threat is just a little bit of a tight player. That's not going to give you much other than that, that vertical threat. And then uh, um, some other stuff here and there, but I'm um, great athlete and, and the upsides there. Um, and he should contribute early on because of how he, how he knows the playbook how, and how he knows Joe Brady. Yeah. When it came out to that second round pick, I, I was fully expecting offensive tackle. Uh, so when I so when I woke up and saw that we picked Terrence Marshall, I was just a little com- confused, especially because, like you said, Tyler, he's not a versatile he's not he's not a versatile guy. And I'm thinking about the guy we just lost in Curtis Sam. I'm like, well, wouldn't would we not be trying to just replace that with these with the same type of guy? Because I mean, Curtis Samuel worked flawlessly in our offense, and I would I would think you would want to immediately try to fill that need. He adds, like you said, he's a, he's a big like like Jackson, he's a bigger body guy. Would help us some. Would, would, would definitely help us as far as giving us a, a, a wide receiver that would be a red zone threat. And and again, I just I really didn't know why I had him pegged. That honestly, I, I mean, I kind of his name kind of for me kind of got lost in the shuffle of because there's a lot of wide receivers in this draft. I really just didn't once we once 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 it came down to draft time, I really forgot all about him. I mean, I think he can be a good, a good value guy, but he if anybody was a reach as far as who I think maybe we could have not you know not picked up and i wouldn't have cared much he he's probably that guy for me mm-hmm. and that was the first pillar to, pillar to fall with our entire draft i think you know going in the second round tevin jenkins was a guy i liked a lot there's a lot of tackles there that i was thinking we could end up with jeremiah Usu Kormoa, who we talked about you know in our group chat like his fit with our team maybe we already kind of have that in jeremy chin potentially mm-hmm. so i was wondering if we'd take our shot there and we didn't and um you know we traded back um didn't get tevin traded back again and uh, we, we actually traded that pick to the Browns and they took uh, Jeremiah Usukormoa. So that was where the first domino to fall is us trading back and getting Marshall. And uh, that really set up the foundation for the rest of our draft is what I think. So, you know, maybe not the need we thought, but I think that he was probably our best player on the board and it set up the foundation for the rest of the draft. See, and in my mind now, if you do it, and because and, Brady did this last year in terms of bringing in Teddy, and you know his his connection there and what he wanted to do if you're going to keep doing this if you're going to have this impact in free agency and UDFAs and in draft and early round drafts i don't want to hear all this oh i'm interviewing with this team or oh i'm going to might leave for this team like if you're trying to be impactful and make this team successful don't be talking like don't be doing it just to to show that you can do it at a, at a different team like if you want to bring in your offense and be successful with your offense i want you to be doing that because you want to be successful with this team in the long run not so it can propel you to a head coaching position because in my mind then what are you doing you're just wasting our time and i mean i get people trying to be successful and i understand if you want to have a head coaching job but at least stay long enough to see that success validate like you need to stay at least long enough for that because in my mind i understand what this pick is it could be it's like an aj brown and that's what i think you know this not necessarily a ceiling could be but i think this could be the fit in terms of impact to where wide receiver might not have been the biggest issue but you take this guy because you know he's talented you've seen the fit and it pays off well other than that it can be like like a devin Funches, where there's always this upside and there's obviously this physical ability but it never develops into what it truly can be because i don't think he ever has and, and he still has i don't even know if he's still 
in the NFL. Last time I heard he was on the Colts, but I don't yeah. even really remember. I think he was on the Colts, then he went to Green Bay, but I don't think he played a snap there. Regardless, so I mean, that's what, like, in my mind, I mean, I got it. And again, I, this, what's gonna, what's gonna really make or break this draft is how much they actually like, because they clearly thought that there was a lot of, of talent in the later rounds. So this, this talent has to be, there's got to be development here because when you pick that many guys in four, five, and six, and even, and even in three, the later end of three, I mean, there's not a whole, like Chauncey said, we talked about it like back when we were having this whole Deshaun Watson trade. There's not any guarantee there. No, but I, but, but, but with Scott Frederick coming from Seattle and how they built that team, they built that team with hitting on the guys in the fourth and the fifth round. And so, I get that. So I understood. So when he started trading back, I was, I was kind of, you know, I, you know, I, I had, y'all had to update me. So, so when, when the trade started happening, I'm like, okay, that's what I'm looking at. I mean, this, this, this ta- talent wise, this draft probably was one of the more, I, there was a lot of intriguing talent. Even after the third round is like, oh, he could, he could possibly be a day one starter. You know, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of guys that were slated as day one starters, as far as throughout the entire process. That slid that you was like, yes, it was day one starters. If he's healthy, that's another thing for me here. Why go and pick a guy? That's a Greg Little all over again. Why go pick a guy that you know has been injured and did not play a full season, and he has that talent if he's there? That's a that's a that's a much bigger gamble. And Tyler, I don't know if you can you can speak to that. I mean, clearly they were planning on because they wanted this guy. I imagine from the get go, at least in the second round, because they were willing to trade so far back so many times. Talk a little bit about just this, the craziness of the second round and what you think was kind of going through their mindset. Because like Shanti talked about, they were doing what they did in Seattle. And even if Fitter wasn't doing it, he was at least watching it in the draft room and saw the procedures of how they would get their guys. Yeah, I think there was a lot of guys on the board that they liked. And um, instead of making the decision themselves, they were going to let the other teams make the decision for them. And uh, we trade back, and Terrace Marshall was there. I'm assuming he was very high on their board, or else we probably would have traded down again. He probably stood out at that point um, yeah. for us to take him. And, um, you know, with with the um, trading back, uh, you, you know, we all know that 2010, 2011, 2012 window there for Seattle in the draft where they were able to hit on late round guys like Russell Wilson, uh, Bobby Wagner, guys like that. Um, and obviously that doesn't happen all the time or else everybody would be picking in the late rounds and we would all be in the Super Bowl. But um, but if <laughs> You know, the more cracks at the bat and the more swings of the bat you have, the more dart throws you get, um, the better chance. And so not all these guys are going to work out. Uh, we made 11 picks. Not all of them are going to make the roster. Not all of them are going to go to the Pro Bowl. Not all of them are ever going to start. But if you had a chance at a guy that could potentially develop into a starter, um, that's huge. And to get a bit more chances at it, especially when you have a big clumps of guys in the second round, you're not going to be able to get all of them. So why not, if they're all close, move back, move back until you can't anymore and get your guy, and then you got recoup more picks for later. And I think another thing is we basically paid for the Sam Darnold trade. We made three picks on day two. We recouped some future capital. We got a pick next year, which, you know, going into this draft, it was – talked about around the league that 2022 picks were going to be traded at a premium because, you know, this draft, we had a half a season. Some guys didn't play. Some guys opted out. We didn't have a combine. You know, the whole off season was, you know, less group thing between the coaches, less talk between different organizations. Um, it was a weird year for the draft. So these picks were a lot of uncertainty. And next year, hopefully we can be in a regular season, a regular full off season for us to have a better evaluations of these players. So I think that also went in mind when trading back and, you know, thankfully we were able to get a couple 2022 picks and um you know i think that's really really what matters especially for a team like the panthers right now you look at our depth you look at you know where our weaknesses are 
weird team that has a, some superstars, but the depth behind it is, you know, is kind of lacking. And I think we made a, made a push towards that in this uh, in these late rounds. And I, you know, I like the start for, of the draft for Fitterer. And um, you know, I don't know if he's always going to be trading back like this. At some point, you can't. At some point, you can't pick eleven guys every year. So yeah, I'm not. Nice. <laughs> you know, but but I think it's a good start, especially where we're at. I mean, hopefully he's playing checkers while everyone else is playing chess instead of he's playing Scrabble while everyone else is playing checkers. Hopefully that's how it's going. And he's making these moves on the inside that we can't tell. But like you said, I mean, not all these guys are going to start and not all these guys are even maybe be impactful. Now, going into the third round, what I did like, I they 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 after watching the tape, I was okay. Brady Christensen, this looks like a, this looks like a dog. This guy looks like a fighter. And I think the interesting point of it all that is kind of unique playing for BYU at the tackle position, they don't have a set amount of, like, you know, set slate of opponents. They play a lot of different people depending on who they make the contract with. They have one or two consistent teams, but the idea and what stands out about that is that you cannot get, you, there's no familiarity there. And especially the tackle position, that's somewhere where you can get better just by being familiar. They got to go up against a lot of different guys coming at you at a lot of different ways and defenses you have not seen in a while or before. So I think that is one of the reasons when I saw this guy's tape, when you think about that and then think about how, how smart he may or may not be, I think that plays a big role into it. And I mean, that could just be me talking out my ass, but that made me, when I thought about it after watching the tape, it made me more confident to where this guy can come in. I mean, I think, I don't know who does the ESPN depth chart more than likely probably David Newton. So I'm not really trusting that, but <laughs> in the ESPN depth chart, they, they're putting him above Greg Little right now in, 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 a, in a, at, at one position. So, or at left tackle. So, I mean, and of course it's still second because I think they had, I don't even know who they had sitting out there, but regardless, I mean, you need that depth and you need that availability. And he also looked consistent. He had consistent with his snaps, his consistent with his health. So I think that's good there too. Well, do we th do we think he's a day one starter? Like just, just like, at like, the line, this is going to be a sad thing to say. For our line, as good as at least finally consistent. Like people say, you know, our line wasn't that bad last year. Like, oh, they did. Okay, that's because we were the, the bar was set so low. The bar was if you could stay healthy and give him four <laughs> seconds. Boom! You're a great offensive line. So in our offensive line, I think yes, he could be. It depends upon how how camp goes and how they like to see. If our offensive line, I don't think there's anyone with solidified positions other than Moten at this point. So I, I think yes. Yeah, I think it's, I, I think it's a win. It's a yeah, win. So. I, you know, I mean, you you got so because because so far we're looking at we're, we're looking at Horn, Marshall, and and, and Christensen, and, and if and if I'm and if you're telling me that. We got the best corner in the draft, and we also were able to wait and still get a day one starter at at, at, at left tackle, a position that, that a premium position. Then at that point, then I say, well, I mean, even at, at, like no matter what you do at, in the draft after that point, if you feel those two positions, like how are you supposed to? It was it was it's a, it's a, it was a successful night. Yeah, you know, it's not often that you can take a tackle in the third round and slot them in to be your left tackle. But I think that's going to be the case here. It's, you know, this offensive line class, especially at tackle, was very deep. And uh, Christensen was a top 40 player for me. And we took him at pick 70, I think. And, um, you know, he's in that project tackle mold. That's why he wasn't, you know, picked in the top 10. Uh, he's he's going to, he's got a little ways to go. He's not going to come in. He's not going to be Tristan Wirfs right away. Tremendous athlete. And that's what you want in a project tackle. The tackle position is one where I think, athleticism is comes at a premium you have to be a great athlete and you know not like mo or not like greg little who came was coming out as a project left tackle but 
was a terrible athlete. I think Christensen has that upside right away where he, he's going to be great in our outside zone um, and our, a lot of our zone scheme, which is going to require a lot of that athleticism right away. He's going to struggle, though, in the beginning, especially if he does become the day one starter. But um, I like the upside there. He has a little bit of ways to go. He's a 24-year-old prospect, um, which is something worth noting. But, you know, he's he's that good right now, So I, and it was at a value. So you take him. I think he's going to start three starters in the first three picks after already trading down is a great start to the draft, especially when you can, you know, add a guy like Brady Christensen here. And I mean, not even start per se, but I mean, we talked about depth of the offensive line position. This is where I would have liked to have maybe a bit more. We'll talk about it later into the draft, you know, into the rounds as we talk about it, but I'm looking at the depth chart right now. And again, I don't, this is ESPN. So I don't know if it's David Newton or if it's actually someone else competent who knows what the team's doing, but you got right now here, what it has is starting is Irving, Elfline, Elfline, Paratus, Miller, and Moten. Then at the backups, it has Christensen backing up Irvin, Irving, then Irving backing up Elfline, then Elfline backing up Paratus, then Daly backing up Miller, and Trent Scott backing up Moten. That is three starters, or excuse me, two starters backing up starters in other positions. And so we talked about health and consistency last year. It's going to be even more key this year, I think, just because we have – I mean, Sam – while he's durable and he does have a little bit of wheels under him, like with coming off of the injury, like he did, we can't, I mean, we, we need to keep him, you know, as healthy as we can. We need to keep these guys as healthy as they can be. So I think that project, I mean, might be a reason as to why they thought they could do, because even if, you know, I would like to keep him at tackle. I don't like keep picking up these guys like little, like daily and moving them around and making a play any other position, like keep them at one spot so they can get familiar with that spot. But if it goes the way it worst comes to worst, we, he might have to file around and, you know, this conveyor belt of a line, but I'm hoping that's not what's going to happen. But you're right. Three starters more than likely at three, because I'm assuming, I'm assuming when we didn't talk about a whole lot, but with Terrace and where he fits in and we can talk about it with David and with shy as well, the receivers as well. I mean, you got, you got Robbie, DJ Terrace, then you got shy. And then if you want to throw in Zilstra Kirkwood and hell, even Omar Bayless, like, there's a lot that could be coming at you. And I imagine they're going to want to put, you know, I'm imagining they're going to want to allow Terrace to learn a little bit. And before putting him right into, you know, a starting spot or putting him at least out wide, but you know, that we have a lot of speed in DJ, David and Robbie. So we could use that height, especially maybe just in red zone scenarios. So I don't really know Shanti said what your thoughts were and what we do with this wide receiver group. Well, I thought when they made the picks at wide receiver, I started just looking into what is the future going to be like because you think about it. It's like you picked up. I think we picked up DJ Moore's fifth year option. We did. Robbie Anderson. This is his last year of his deal. It is. He's probably not coming back because you're not going to want. You're not going to want to pay that much for him if he if he has a think about if he has like a, a 1100 1200 yard season like eight touchdowns. Think about the type of money he's gonna he's gonna want to demand. And then you still got to pay DJ. So Robbie. Well, do you think? I mean, I'm saying, do you think? And this is a bit of an offset, but like. I've seen – I remember watching Robbie at the Jets and watching how he handled himself with the Jets and just his personality and every how he carried himself. And it was fairly egotistical, fairly, you know, like I'm that guy. I'm the next guy. Like you need to give me the money I need. You need to give me the like the targets I need. There was a lot of games where he was not targeted almost at all this season. And at least unless he kept his concerns quiet, we didn't hear anything about it. He seemed very happy here with his organization. That was with Teddy. So if you now you're bringing Sam back and maybe we don't know. I mean, we only know the surface of their relationship. I mean, not to say that I don't think he's going to want to get paid because everyone wants to get paid. But I mean, I could see him being a guy where he's finally at a place that he likes. He's at a room that he likes. I mean, he seemed to fell in, fit in pretty well with the locker room. So I don't think maybe, you know, demanding a whole lot of money is something that might be in the front of his mind. 
it just, it's just how much money do you want to tie up into one position group? That's fair. That that's that's true because you have there's a lot of money going into this position group right now. Exactly. So I so I, I think Marshall was a future play. Like it, it, it's a okay. If we got a starter, then we possibly got a guy that can be wide receiver too for us because DJ Moore is definitely we're definitely gonna break the bank for DJ Moore at some point. Yeah. Shot. You know, shot. We'll get to him later. But again, he just fits what you were doing with with Curtis Samuel. So I mean, could he could he potentially stick around? Yes, no, maybe so. I mean, we we, we would have we would have to see, but they but they definitely picked up Marshall with the with the intentions of maybe not this year, but the next he will probably be able to flourish into a role where he's where, where he's taking up a lot of those where, he, where he's second in reception and taking up a lot of the bulk of what Robbie Anderson will, will be doing probably this year. And I say and I because I expect I mean this also <laughs> makes me very confused. I mean, we didn't give a whole lot of money, but I mean, what was the purpose of picking up David Moore in my mind? I get you get maybe like a, a I guess a veteran presence. And some more of like, that. He's not really, I mean, a veteran per se, you know. Yeah. So and you, we don't pigeonhole ourselves into having to take a receiver in the draft. I think yeah. that was the whole thing behind that. Yeah. But then getting two, I mean, when you know, we think there's other, I mean, because wide receiver, as you know, I mean, losing Curtis definitely hurt. And a bit like, it's not really a position we like lacked depth in. Cause I mean, obviously, Kirk and, Z- and Zosha are not starters, but they were serviceable when needed, at least to fill bodies on the field. In my mind now, I think, which I think you're right, though. I think Terrace was a future play. I think, though, there's a very real possibility you could have Terrace on one side for certain, if he fills in the way we think he might, have Terrace and Robbie on the outside and even and put or put DJ or Robbie in the slot and let them do what they need to do. Because I think for Shy, even Shy honestly might not have even been for a receiver spot. I think they might've saw his, his athleticism, saw his footwork and saw was able to switch, switch directions and go, look at, we did really well when we had Curtis do these things out of the backfield. Shy didn't necessarily do that in college, but we, I think he can. I mean, we, I think he, we, he wasn't as good as the jet sweeps as Debo was, but he had, he never times when he could use it last year. He did that. He was going 50. There was one play. I think he went 50 yards downfield coming out of the backfield on a motion. So I think if anything, they drafted shy specifically for, Hey, let's get that, you know, that, little X factor, not even but like a Swiss army knife to go here, take this pitch, this shovel pass, because I mean, obviously when it comes to speed and to, to, you know, we didn't really need that that much with still having DJ and Robbie. Yeah. And so I think if you're trying to go though with Sam and the arm that he has, that's why Terrace was confusing in terms of this or just also offense. I mean, we got Cam and Pat, but if you want to air it out and air it far, you need to have the line that's going to facilitate you to do that. Like you're not going to get a Worfs, but like obviously Worfs had much more of an impact in that Super Bowl than Mike Evans did. And that's, you know, again, one specific isolated scenario, but it speaks to a larger theme of, you know, you can have, this is what we were saying back before all this quarterback controversy with Deshaun and whatever we were going to do is the point I kept making was that if you're going to, like, it doesn't matter who you get, if he's a rookie, how good he is. If he has the same line that Teddy has, he's not going to be able to do well. And so, you know, we heard a lot more about Teddy in the later months of that. And we saw a lot more about how disconnect was there. But in my mind, I just, I, I'm not going to say I was upset with two wide receivers. Like I said, it was the earliness of it. And then also I'm not going to say I'm going to set with upset with two defensive linemen. It was just, if there was a position, I think we needed two of them. We got two of or even three of, I mean, Again, I'm I'm going give me give me linemen. I know we did it in free agency, but you, I mean I'm biased with that because I understand how much you know it, it is impactful. And also, I think that's another reason. Though, Tyler, we can talk about this. I think that's one of the main reasons it, why we got Tommy Tremble coming up next. The film they showed him of his blocking ability as a tight end coming off the run or coming off the line was insane. And we know we've lacked that from Ian, and there's been questions on that from Dan Arnold as well. 
So Tyler, talk about the, 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 the thought process of that pick as well. Yeah, it wasn't talked about a lot, but our, one of our biggest needs was tight end. Um, Ian Thomas really hasn't done much since his rookie year. And then Dan Arnold is just a glorified receiver at you know, only 220 pounds at tight end. So we needed a guy that we could get in there as an every down guy. And uh, Trumbull, you know, although his production wasn't very high at Notre Dame, always that second tight end behind a Cole Komet. And then this year they had a, a young freshman that is going to be a you know first round pick someday. So Trumbull was always that second guy at Notre Dame, but they were a tight end heavy offense and he was a feature point in that especially as a blocker and he can block and he can run he's a great athlete and you get those two things at tight end you can work with it everything else can come you can work with everything else but he's got those two things that you want to see he's a, one of the best run blockers at tight end position i've seen in the last couple of years um ferocious and he's going to open up so much for our run game um that he's going to be on the field early um, potentially even as a starter, our fourth starter of this class, potentially. And I think that athleticism can de develop into a guy that, you know, we're going to maybe have to make Joe Brady use a tight end in this offense if, you know, Tremble can open up that receiving ability that he has flashed here and there, especially with his speed and athleticism. So I'm interested. It's a high upside pick, um, not a great tight end class. And he was one of the last couple guys that I would really trust um, taking it if you were expecting him to play in year one. So I'm really excited about the Tremble pick. I loved it at the time. And, um, you know, I think it's a four starter from this class. And Sean, he, he talked about opening up, he talked about forcing Brady to use the tight end position, maybe not even so for his receiving ability, but I mean, remember with Ed Dixon and Greg, Ed was the better blocker. Ed was mm -hmm. the better blocker than Greg. And he, that allowed Greg to not have to be curtailed just to blocking and to get him out. You think that what Tommy, Tommy can do is come in, be the better blocker might facilitate letting Arnold or even Ian get out into the open field and maybe get some rounds. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I mean, with, 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 with his physical traits and everything and, and, and the potential, Fam, I need I need him to kind of turn into like a you know give me turn me into like a kittle, you know. Yeah, that's what his comparisons were. He was I mean, getting that comparisons. I mean, work. I mean, with a guy that's this athletic, and yeah, he can yeah he can yeah he can block in a year one. He'll probably they'll just they'll probably allow him to just do what he does well, just to be able to get him on the field and have him be able to contribute from day one. But man, work, definitely work on developing him into a, a, a into more of a receiving tight end because at that point you have a. You have a Swiss Army knife type like weapon, and like I said, you can't. Tight ends in this league are very valuable, especially for young quarterbacks or, or, or quarterbacks that are, that are struggling to have to get to get the ball to their receivers. Tight ends tend to come save the day, and you want to have that with a guy that's, that's this physically gifted. You want to see where the ceiling could be, and it's, and, and like I, and, and like you said, I mean, yeah, is is he a project guy? But that ceiling looks high for at least for right now. Well, that's what like, and that's why I like the Kittle comparisons because you think about Kittle, no one knew. I mean, we heard of Kittle, but no, one, he did not. He did not make the impact in his first year that he's made since, and that's because, like you talked about, in that first year, they let him do what he did. They, that's where they let him block. He's one of the better blocking tight ends in the league, if not the best. You've seen his crazy, his crazy ass smiling and laughing as he's driving people to the ground, and that's what they let him do the first year, and then the rest follows suit after the fact. So I think you could see that same – I mean, you're not going to see the same. And, of course, comparisons are always so – you know, I, I don't know if Tyler hates it or likes it. The NFL comparisons can be just so pigeonholing because you're like, oh, he has to be this now. If he doesn't live up to it. That was the thing with JC. Everyone was like, if he doesn't – if he's not Ramsey, then it's not worth it. I'm like, okay, no, no. First off, <laughs> that's not how we're going to do – that's not how we're going to do Horn <laughs> like that. But regardless, so that's why I think I, – I was I was interested like, – because I was like, oh, my God, now we're getting a tight end? Like, I know we want to focus on the offense, but, like – focus on different parts of the offense. But after I thought about it, I was like, okay, it's not wrong. Like clearly, I mean, while there was a lot of hype around Arnold to be cut to when he, when we first got him, the more and more we looked at it and the more and more we thought about it, we we're like, okay, maybe, 
maybe this ain't what we really wanted at tight end. So I think, yeah, I mean, with the way Brady used tight ends last year, I think this was a perfect fit and might force him to use them in different ways because now if you've got Ian, Arnold, and Tommy, and you're not using a tight end in any route packages or any route, like, what are you doing? Come on now. Like, I know we have, it's, it's almost going to be like for him, it's going to be too many cooks in the kitchen. Like there's all, like, there's going to be so much he can use. And it's almost like, you know, if we're not using this guy, if we're using this guy, we're not using this guy. But it, or it could be like 2015 where one guy goes down or needs a break, boom, next guy right in. DJ needs a break, bring Shy right in real quick. Look, man, we talk, we questioned a lot of what happened last year with the offense. We knew we had the talent, and we know we and we and we know we were good in spots. But the progression of Joe Brady as a play caller is going to have to happen this year because see now there's you know we kind of eliminate the excuses. Okay, you got a quarterback that can get that, that's got at least all of the all of the physical tools to be a great quarterback. All right cool we've got that we've we've bolstered up the offensive line we bolstered up the tight end room we've got as many receivers as you can ask for it's i mean it, it you know, people talk about sam Darnold be, having to be being on the clock and it, that is true but joe brady's gonna be on the clock as well because i mean you think about any team he goes to next i i just can't imagine you're going into a situation where you're this talented so no. i mean his progression as a play caller will be will be a big storyline as far as moving forward with Carolina in this 21 season. Uh, we talked about it last year, how, you know, we knew there was going to be, you know, there was going to be pitfalls and there's going to be roadblocks in that first year for both coordinators. We expected a lot from Brady and didn't get what we wanted. We didn't expect a whole lot from snow and we got slightly, you know, we got slightly impressed. And especially at times, there were times where we expected him to at least be competent, but that didn't exactly always happen, but then he got a lot better. And we talked about it last year, how the second year it's second year for coordinators is always big because you've gotten that full season. Now you're going to get a full off season now with this class, with the free agents that we've gotten. And this obviously, this is literally like there, this is all on the coordinators. If you can't put this talent together, this, I mean, it doesn't have to necessarily be this year. Cause like I said, we have to, you know, I always have to keep like, you know, pulling myself back and going, remember these are, these are rookies. They're not going to blow out the, they're not going to blow out the bank in their first year. But yeah. also like we talked about all the different weapons that snow is going to have to send to people. And the flip side, we have all these different weapons that Brady's going to have to utilize. You're going to have to figure out a way to do it well, because I mean, that's the problem. And that was the problem for a while in Cleveland. They had a lot of defensive weapons and they have a lot of offensive weapons, but they could not get it to, to coexist at the same time. They couldn't get everything to mesh yep. and it was just different. And it's the same thing you're seeing at least for defense or it's the thing that you didn't see in, in Washington where that defense started to really materialize because they had a lot of different things they could throw at you. And the coordinator realized when to do the right thing and when to send the right person. That's what snow has got to try to do here. Cause we have a lot of guys you can throw at same with Brady. So that's going to be all the more important this year. And just going forward, it's going to be interesting just to see, what it goes from the top, from the, from the two of them. And so I think that's, and of course, you know, going back in this year and what happened with McCaffrey, I think that very much influenced the pick of Chuba Hubbard. I like it. Tyler, I want to hear what you think about it and what you think he can be if McCaffrey can still, is still a question mark going forward. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of it. Um, you know, I, uh, we needed a running back depth and we had to take one eventually. I was not a big Chuba guy. Uh, he's a one line, one speed guy. I'm not going to offer too much more. Uh, very, very tight hipped and a linear player. Not going to be, uh, not very agile, not going to be good in our outside zone where he's going to have to make a lot of different cuts. He's a one track player. You got to get him on a straight line and go when you can do that. He's a track runner. He's really good. Um, I just think he's limited in the sense that he's not like McCaffrey where he's got that shiftiness to him. I, I wouldn't expect anybody to have the same level of 
as McCaffrey as that. But to a more positive point, he's flashed as a pass, pass catcher. I think he still has a long way to go. I think um, in the beginning, we might kind of be limited when he's on the field. We Teams might know we're running the ball. Um, I think he needs to continue to show develop as a pass catcher because I think he had really good flashes early on, but uh, he needs to work on that. Um, I think one area where I do like him and uh, is that he's one of the best pass blockers in this class. Um, when it comes to squaring guys up and just taking them on, um, I think he he was very good at that, and I, I, I'm excited for him there because you know that's how you can see the field early. And I think it'll be very easy for him to be the backup running back. Uh, pretty, you know, it won't take him long to earn that spot, um, especially when we look at who we have behind him. You know. Yeah. Who, who, who do we have on the roster behind? Um, it's behind, uh, behind him. We have Rodney and and Reggie. Is I think if they're both yeah. still Bonifacio still on the roster. I according and then Trent's uh, uh, Trent and Cannon. I believe yeah. too. Oh, I yeah. think Reggie's still on the roster. I, again, this is ESPN, so this could be David. So I don't know. I really don't know. But as far as this seat, it says it seems we still have Reggie on the roster. But I know oh. Rodney is the guy we were. Run- I mean, that was the guy we saw flashes of last year. We've always seen these flashes. We saw it with Rodney. We saw it with Reggie, where they get those long little touchdowns of those one or two games. And just to, to, I don't mean to bolster in here, but I think what you looked at with Chuba. And you can say what, you know, facilitated his 2000 yard season, whatever, you know, if that was the opponents, he was playing the line behind him. I think what you see here and what you like here is the durability. I think exactly what you talked about, Tyler, because while yes, McCaffrey can, can, it can be a good pass blocker. We just paid him that much money. We just gave him that big of a contract. We don't need that much money getting, you know, chased down and staring linebackers straight in the face. So if we need someone to come in and pass block, at least, you know, we'll have to, he'll to learn. But if we know it, I mean, and it might, you know, it might give our, give our process away where if he's coming in and lining up there, then it might be go, Hey, they're passing. He's just going to block. I also think though, in the same sense, if it's, I mean, granted McCaffrey is a great, is an amazing receiver and he has great hands and great, you know, ball focus. Cause I mean, some of those balls that were getting thrown to him, he was obviously literally having to dive or somersault for, but with Sam, I think you take McCaffrey out of those wheel route or those, you know, corner route scenarios because those aren't that hard of routes to run. And you put you put Hubbard in there, just go, hey, run out to the hashes or, hey, cr- cut back in. See if you can, if he can put this ball in your hands, just hold on to it and give us the, you know, the kind of yards that he would. He might not have that, ex- and he might get that explosive nature because we saw some flashes of Robbie blocking very well on the outside. I don't know about Terrace, but we know DJ has still a little bit of room to improve there. But I mean, you talk about it as a track start. If you can get some some of that opening and find a seam down the sideline, might be it might. I just think it might have been the mindset is, hey, yes, this guy needs to work more on his running. Who better learn from on how to be less than a one track guy, more than a one track guy than McCaffrey? And then you go, hey, just catch some passes and block some people for us, at least you know while we're trying to keep him healthy. Yeah, I mean, the team obviously understood the importance of running back after last year. You saw Mike Davis come in have come in with a thousand yards total last year. He played a big role for us when McCaffrey was out. I mean, really that and again, like again, that's a it seems like a team that that should be that that has learned a lot from their past mistakes. And hopefully, I, think, I swear pray to God. Yeah, yeah. Ho- hopefully I, I I mean I still kind of question what they're gonna do is as far as the amount of touches McCaffrey will get this year if he's healthy. If he's fully healthy and he's and he's available for the entire year, do they still force feed him the football like we've done in previous seasons and can and just continue to make that the the MO of the offense. I would hope not. But, but again, if they, if they are, they seem to be trying to at least trying to prep for McCaffrey, not being available for all 16. Cause it is a possibility. 17. What's that? Oh, my bad. 17. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, we needed to replace that production for Mike Davis, and you know, getting Hubbard was, um, you know, their option of doing it. I think there was the the thing that bothered me the most is that was right around where I had Hubbard. There was just a lot of better backs on the board, quite frankly. There was guys that went a lot later who I would have taken ahead of him, and it's not always going to work out, um, you know. And, um, and you know, Chuba will be good, and he'll be a productive runner off the bat, especially if we can keep him in some simple, um, simple read systems where he, he doesn't have to use a lot with his vision, and we just keep it simple for him. Because even at Oklahoma State, with some of their concepts in the run game. He struggled making that decisions early, and that kind of hurt him, especially when he's a guy that needs to get going now. And um, when he's hesitating and he doesn't know when to hesitate and when to make that cut, uh, it really puts him behind. So um, if he can develop and kind of get used to our system early on and ease his way into it with some simple concepts, I think he could have a you know productive rookie season coming in for uh, McCaffrey. It's just not the pick I would have made there. I get that. And so then looking at, so we went after making eight straight defensive picks in two years, we'd go four straight offense in a row and then right back to defense again. Davion Nixon, this was interesting to me. I was at the time, I mean, a defensive tackle fifth round, we just picked up Jones. You have, you still, I mean, I understand you need more than three guys with some of the packages we're going to running, but we have Fox and then Daquan and Derek. So, I mean, I liked his tape. The thought process confused me a tad because, again, I understand we went with a cornerback in the next pick, but I would have maybe gone – I mean, it was only really, what, like seven picks after that we got the cornerback, but I just might have gone with there unless they didn't think the guy they wanted – they thought he was still going to be there. I'm going to let you all talk about it and see and, and bounce off of you all. At least for me, I liked uh, – when, when I when I started going through the, the, the tape of all of these guys post-draft, I like Nixon's tape, man. I I, I, I I like I like how well he uses his hands, how athletic he is. Again, having those type, having those types of guys in the in, in the interior. I mean, it's, it's gonna be what you want to have. You think about what where we struggled at, and what we talk. You think we talk we talk about our struggles, and a lot of it really started in the started in the interior. He's a guy that has you know great great pursuit, can get out to the court, can get out to the quarterback. It just adds a lot of rotational value into your defense. I think he's potentially a guy that can start. That can start for you at some point, or if he has to start, you still have a very competent guy at that position that can that can that can provide you good value for at least three to four games. So, yeah, you know we we all know depth is 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 you you need to have depth at the defensive line position. That's what and, and that's what that's what we added. So I can't really complain. Yeah, um, we I think we have three solid starters on the D line that are proven and they're cemented in, uh, and there's no move in it. Uh, Derek Brown, Brian Burns, and then. Hassan Reddick and Yator uh, in that one spot. With that other defensive tackle spot is not really solidified. We have Daquan Jones there now. Um, he's going to be on a one-year deal, and he'll be in there. Um, but he's probably not going to be a future player for us. Uh, we got um, – you know, we got some other guys in there. Morgan Fox is going to be rotating in. Um, he's more of the edge interior guy that will be uh, rotating back and forth. And then, and then we got Brave Brown Roy as well, who is uh, who's kind of going to be in that same mold as Derek Brown, rotating in there. So um, to add more D line depth is going to be huge, especially because we, building through the trenches is something that I wanted to see us do. And when we can do it with Nixon, who some guys had him as one of the top defensive linemen in this draft. There was a there was a media guy, I forget who it was. Somebody had him as their eleventh overall player in this class, which was way too rich for me. <laughs> but that's just the kind of um, <laughs> that's just kind of the thought process you can have with him because if you bank on that athleticism, uh, you could hit big with uh, Nixon because 
Um, he's a lot, very behind mentally in the game, uh, not a very reactive player, you know, slow to process things. And um, technique-wise, has a long way to go. But that athlete, um, you know, if you can mold that into something and in the fifth round when needs are kind of thrown out the board because you're not going to get guys that are really going to fill needs at this point. It's really just comes out of the best player available. And if you can take this, you know, ball of clay and Davion Nixon and mold them into, you know, hopefully a starter or a rotational pass rusher, um, I think that's a win in the fifth round. No, I agree with that. I mean, like you were saying, uh, he seemed very athletic in the taping I was watching. And I understand, I mean, it's just another one of those, you know, put it in the gauntlet of the different weapons we can throw at you. And I mean, again, I guess it's that depth that you go, you know, if this guy goes down, boom, bring another guy right back in to, to bring it into you. I think it'll create a good amount of, like you were talking about, I think it'll create a good amount of competition for Roy and to see what he was going to do. Also, I was I meant to send this because I was reading about Nixon and just about the pick and this, I know we've been bashing on Newton, but I'm going to do it a little bit more in his description of it, talking about who we have at defensive tackle. He listed off, he listed off both Roy, <laughs> he listed off Brown and then said Roy Bravion. Not Bravion, but Roy Bravion. I didn't know he had a brother or a twin, I guess. And then didn't even mention Daquan Jones. And this was literally the day of the draft. So thank you for doing your research as a beat reporter for ESPN. I'm, regardless. Um, so I, I, I think it's going to create a good amount of competition for Bravion. And to show, I mean, he had, you know, he was, because Bravion filled in at times. He was serviceable. And I think, you know, he can be, he can have potential. So I think it's going to just bolster that room up and give just a little bit, you know, of either depth. Because obviously we've seen... At least in the last couple of years, we've been concerned with injuries at that position and stability at that position. And so this will give you at least a little bit of depth to go off of. And I think he could be one of those guys that we had, like Kyle Love, who might not ever be that starter, but he will be there when you need him to. And uh, it just depends on who who fills these roles first and who goes with what they need to do. Um, and then moving on to, this was a guy that I really, really liked where we got him, what I saw from him. And I'm afraid, unfortunately, that Troy Pride may lose his job to another junior. And that is Keith Taylor Jr. out of Washington. I liked what I see it, saw out of him. And I understand, I mean, I was happy with, I was, I want, that was my two things in this draft was multiple cornerbacks and multiple offensive linemen. The only thing, the only issue I have really with this draft is in my mind, if we need a depth of position, that position is safety. And I'm a little confused as to why we didn't touch on that with 11 picks, why we didn't go for any, I mean, maybe the safety, safety class wasn't what it should have been. But Tyler can talk about that. I just thought, I mean, I like this pick and I like focusing on the defensive backs. I had an issue with not focusing on safeties. Yeah, um, I'm, I was a big Keith Taylor fan and he fits in that Seattle mold. That's, that's my favorite thing. I'm sorry, I love whenever I hear Tyler go, I'm a big fan of whoever we drafted. That's <laughs> always going to make me so happy. Oh yeah. 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 I'm, 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 he's top 100 on my big board. And uh, for us to get him that late, um, you know, six, two, he brings that length um, that Seattle, when they were in their prime with those six, you know, Richard Sherman, uh, you know, Brandon Browner, those guys were long physical at the line. And we got two of those guys in this class. So I don't know if we're going to go all in on that because it's, you know, it's still uh, Matt rules. Defense is still our, Phil Snow's defense and Scott Fitter is not going to change that. But if we kind of mesh our two minds together with uh, our coaching staff and our front office um, for us to bring Keith Taylor in, who, who dominated the senior bowl, it really got my attention there. And I watched this film and nobody was talking about him. A lot of guys had him, you know, really low on the big boards. And um, to me, he was a, he was a top one on our pick. Um, he didn't, he didn't end up going there. Um, ended up falling to us, which I was very happy about. Um, physical corner, great athlete. He's going to struggle. Um, you know, some of the quicker receivers not going to match up very well. He's so long limbed, but um, I think he can compete, can compete for a spot in a couple of years. He's not going to, uh, you know, be a starter this year unless there's injuries um, by no means, but he he'll make the roster 
roster for no doubt um, and, uh, you know, compete for that outside corner spot eventually. And that's and this is a lot. And, and, it, when, and when I mentioned him earlier, as well, and when I mentioned AJ Bouye, as far as like AJ Bouye is going to be that is going is going to be that the other outside corner for us. Keith Taylor is a guy that I would hope could compete for that in in in, in the in the next year or so. Think about the type. Think about the type of defense that that, that just won a Super Bowl. You talk. Think about Tampa Bay and what they were able to do. Physical. They're they're up in your grill. They don't let you get off the line. There's too many good receivers that that if you give them free releases. They're beating you now, like you said, Tyler. He's gonna struggle against those smaller guys, but again, in the division that we play in, he fits perfect as far as going up against a Mike, going up, going up, going up against a Evans, a Thomas, those types of guys that are physically imposing type of receivers. So, I, I, I like it. I mean, I mean, like and like you said, I mean, it, are we kind of building something that they built in Seattle as far as though as far as those, those bigger, more, more more physical guys? We got some. I, I think our guys are a little bit more athletic. I think our guys are more athletic than than the guys they had in Seattle. So I mean, I think he. I, I just think he can be a good, a good value guy. Like I said, not this year. If he plays this year, as far as being a starter, then we're probably gonna be what, what our record probably be like a six and eleven. Probably looking at if he if he's having to start. Yeah, I mean, I, hey, if, if Fitter wants to bring in Legion of Boom 2.0 here, that's all the more fine by me. I'll take that, and I think he might be. But again, in order to do that, you're gonna need these. And I mean, Chin. Can, and Chin can't do it all. He can't play both positions by himself. He can't do that. So uh, I loved also seeing what Horn said about uh, about Jeremy Chin is that the best thing for a cornerback is a good safety. And I like that right there. And so I'm just – I'm looking at this and it's just hitting me now. We literally drafted a starting – like a lineup. We drafted an entire 11 players to go out. We drafted half of an all 22 right then and there. Um, but just so we're trying, we're not going to talk about, we're going to try to bu- push through these last four because you know, there's one of them that Shantis and I could do a, a whole different podcast about, but looking forward at least in two, I'm going to go, we'll go off, we'll go two off um, because I'm going to talk about one more than the other. Deontay Brown. I love it again here. I mean, if you want size, you want someone to just be a body, you want a wall there for some of these defensive tackles that he's going to be having. I mean, excuse me, some of these yeah defensive tackles that he's going to have to be going up against. I mean, I don't know if he, I think, honest to God, he could come out and and maybe and maybe solidify and get a starting position. If I look at the guard, like not not right away, I think. But if we, I know he's a bit more of a of a question mark. But like, especially like the, the John Miller side, John Miller daily. I mean, that one's just kind of like, hey, we have Miller; he's there. I mean, he was serviceable. There were times where he wasn't what we needed him to be, and Daly is always there. But you know. I mean, just in terms of size, if we can get this guy, if we can get this guy the mental ability to do to do well, and with the way the conference he plays, and I mean, playing for Alabama, you know, you got to at least be able to be a good. To, to, you're going to have guys running behind you all the time, so I think he could be either really. He has, I think, the highest floor and the lowest. Or excuse me, I don't think the highest floor of anybody, but he has one of the higher <laughs> floors out of these guys, and of course, one of the lowest ceilings. Or excuse me, other way around, he has one of the. <laughs> He has one of the higher ceilings and one of the lowest floors. That's what I meant. I don't know what happened down is. Gotcha. I mean, look, adding something, adding somebody that that physically imposing. Got to love it. I mean, look, bro. I mean, we we are we, we know Alvin Lawrence got a lot of guy got a lot of questions. He can he could eventually compete for a starting position. Look, I'm not big on offense. I don't I don't know as much about offensive lines as as you guys do. So I mean, but for a guy that can compete in the SEC. For the entirety of his career, went up against guys like guys like Derrick Brown so, and, and, and play, you know, and, and played against just the best in the best in the nation continu- continuously. I like, I like getting them getting them in the sixth round. You if you add a guy that can some some that be a starter, then you again 
you add because if I'm not mistaken, Tyler, he, he did not give up a sack. Now, granted, Mac Jones wasn't holding the ball that much, and anyone in that quarterback position wasn't giving a ball, giving holding the ball that much. But if I'm correct, he did not give up a sack in his career at Alabama. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, That's enough for me. <laughs> yeah. No, this was a weird one for me um, with Christensen being that you know zone blocker, uh, athlete, big athlete, big time athlete guy in the second round. You kind of see us going toward this more of a zone scheme um, in our, in our, with our line, and then we turn around with our next offensive line pick, and we take Deontay Brown, who is the complete opposite of that. He's a great gap player, um, but is terrible in zone run. And Christensen, who struggles a little bit more in those gap, like power counter stuff like that, um, it was weird to see those kind of you know mesh together. Um, because they're completely, you know, contrary to one another. And so it's kind of hard to tell the direction we're going. I'm going to guess we're going with that zone style approach because we put more of the capital into uh, Christensen. But I was even surprised that Brown was on our board, especially with the way we, uh, with the way our offense works. Good player. He's all, he's all right. I, he needs to lose weight. He, he was, there's no reason for him to be playing at 340 or whatever he is. He got absolutely <laughs> torn up at the Super Bowl. So he needs to go to go lose weight because um, if he's going to have to – if he's going to zone block at all, um, he's going to have to. And if he doesn't, he's, he's going to be cut in no time. But um, if, he, if he's able to, he's definitely very talented. And um, he's got a good resume on him and blocks some great players. So if um, – you know, he's probably further ahead – further ahead technically than a lot of offensive linemen because, you know, just playing at Alabama and being a lot of those guys there are already come out so um, ready. So NFL ready that their ceilings are kind of low um, developmental wise, but you know, I think he could push for a roster spot and I think he was definitely worthy of being drafted. It's just the, the scheme fit contrary to Brady Christensen. It was what kind of confused me here. I get that. And I mean, but I mean, it could be, you know, filling if, you know, you need one guy for one thing. Now, again, it could be more, you know, telling of what our offense play is going to be is if if he's in the line, hey, they're not doing a zone, you know, they're not going on that zone scheme. But if, if Christian's on the line, they will be. But I mean, if you want to plug in, you know, plug and play, basically. And that's what a lot of this offense, this whole team, honest to God, could be plug and play. And the reality of either the schemes we run, the plays we run, and just how we build our roster. Now it can hurt us and then it can also benefit us. I'm gonna leave I'm gonna let us talk Shanti's not talk about this last one and then let Tyler take care of the last two. But first, I mean, because we gotta talk about it. And then if we talk, if all three of us talk about the last, I mean, only thing I know about Thomas Fletcher is he better not think he's coming and taking JJ's spot right away. He can <laughs> learn from the best long snapper in NFL history, but there ain't no way he's taking JJ's spot until JJ retires. And I'm not letting JJ retire until he's his doesn't ain't got no legs. But regardless, with Sky Smith, I'm going to try to say this, and I want everyone to know I'm not trying to be biased here. I'm just trying to let you know what I have seen coming out of him and what I've seen this team as an organization as the Panthers used before. I think it was very telling, and I think that we were very – I mean, we, Shanti's and I, honest to God, were just joking. We were hoping we would get him, but yeah. I did not think, at least in my mind, that we were going to pick him up because I just didn't think that was something we were going to do. But when I look at some of the picks we've made beforehand in terms of Christensen, Tremble, and Hubbard, it makes a lot of sense in my mind because when you talk about Christensen in the zone, you know, what he, what he can do in his mobility and where he can, you know, pulling or reading or whatever he has to do. And the same thing with Tremble, a lot of those blocking highlights he had was coming off the end, going around the backfield and being a lead blocker for someone coming the other direction or going out for that screen and blocking for those two. I think what we did here with Smith, I understand that people were, were upset because, oh, another like South Carolina receiver, wide receiver, he's just going to do be a kick returner or a punt returner or do nothing, kind of like Bird or Cooper or maybe even you know Philly Brown. That's not what he's going to be used for in my mind. I think what we saw with Curtis, there's a reason we used Curtis for us and didn't use DJ for it <clears throat> because we wanted to keep DJ 
running downfield. We knew he could bounce around and do that. But even DJ, you know, even before Curtis was running out of the backfield, we talk about 2016, 2017, and those plays that like the one play I remember that always sticks in my mind is the play against the Giants, that bubble screen, the bubble receiver screen where he was spinning and falling and bouncing off of people and to end up scoring a touchdown. And because also every time DJ holds the ball, I'm afraid he's gonna it's something's gonna get punched into the end zone because he still is scaring me with that. But I think with Shy you've got a guy who is not going to be Curtis Samuel right off the bat or even Ted Ginn right off the bat, but he's got that footwork. He's got that ability to stop on a dime and change direction. And he's got that read of the field to be able to give you plays where he might not come in as a slot receiver, but he might quite literally come out just to do jet sweeps or just to do shovel passes or bubble screens. And I think he can make it. I mean, I know where Tyler had him on his board and to get him literally almost twice as far back I think is a huge pickup and I like it because South Carolina doesn't get a lot of recognition and it's fair. It's fair as to why, but if you see this kid, you know what he can do and you know, the ability, you know how he can carve up a field. Yeah. His, his thing was shot. Obviously, you know, I'm going to be biased because he, because because he lives up the street. So of course, of course, I'll I'll go ahead and get out of the way. But his thing about shot, he is a, He's a guy that I think that as far as if I if I look at Curtis Samuel when he came came out, Curtis Samuel wasn't a receiver. He was an athlete. He was a guy that he used just give him the football and, and just go. The one the thing the thing that Debo did in in college was like was very similar to Curtis Samuel. Just give him the football, and go. Shy's a better receiver than both than both of those guys than both of those guys is just playing actually being a receiver. This we talked about I, I meant to I forgot about this. I mean he did not. There was for almost the entirety of his freshman year. He did not drop a pass, and that is saying something with the quarterbacks that we had at the time. Yeah, exactly. I I, I think his value as a receiver may may be un, un, undersold because because I mean he 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 has a route tree. Is there another step he could take? Yes. I kind I kind of if I'm thinking about a guy that I could potentially see him, oh, I want him to kind of want him to be like as far as the NFL comp. I say Emmanuel Sanders, a guy that is. Technically sound, technically, technically sound right running. He's gonna give you about what about eight to nine hundred yards a season, about five to six touchdowns. If he can be that type of guy, then then great. But he has the athletic ability to be a Curtis Samuel, to be able to come out the backfield, to be to just get the ball in his hands because he is just ultimately he's just a playmaker. And I will say this: him going, him sliding as far as, as far as he did. I mean, he didn't slide that much farther than than what I had him because I had him as like a fourth a fourth round guy. I think Tyler had him as a fifth round guy, but got but him having just knowing him and knowing his knowing his mentality, the kid's a dog. Him, 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 him watching a lot of guys go ahead of him. That a lot of receivers that I, even I didn't think were as, as good as he was. He's gonna compete as far and, and definitely being a guy that they, get, they got drafted this low is gonna, gonna have to compete in order to keep a job in, in this league. I'm excited to see the type of, the type the type of mentality he brings and 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 the type of and the type of play he he exudes when, once he gets to Carolina and has the opportunity to compete against some of the best. Yeah, real quick on Shy, um, tough kid, great route runner, really quick, uh, not a deep threat. That's why he didn't go any earlier. I'm um, gonna compete for that fourth receiver spot with David Moore right off the bat. Um, definitely gonna make the roster. Could be a punt returner. 
um, for us. So, you know, you like that in the sixth round, and, um, adding value. He's going to be a guy that I'm going to be excited to watch in the preseason, especially. Um, I think he could be a guy that really stands out there. And um, he could be, you know, with the, that second offense, he could be a guy that really takes control as uh, more of a leader with that second offense. And um, he could be a guy that's here to stay for a second contract someday if he um, if he can do that and eventually maybe develop into a third receiver that's, you know, in on the field with our 11 personnel packages. And I think there's potential for him to do that. And that's why we doubled down on receivers because we probably didn't think he'd be there. And when we were sitting there in the sixth round and Chai Smith's on the board, they pulled the trigger. So uh, I think they're excited about it. And to add a, a, a guy with that more of that quickness and slot versatility, um, uh, you know, not like Terrence Marshall. Um, I think they had to do it. And um, he's going to make, he's going to fill out our receiving roster. You know, I think our receivers are going to be DJ Moore. We're going to take Robbie, Robbie Anderson, Terrence Marshall, uh, David Moore, Shy Smith, and either Kirkwood or Zilstra. So one, of, so that'll be our six, and a uh, pretty good six. And Shy Smith will really help round that out. And as last thing I'll say on it, and I won't say anything more. But this will let a little bit of bias in. He can be, I think, a top receiver for our team and a top tier receiver. He did not have to, he he was not at South Carolina, but do not question his pedigree or what he can do. He was behind Debo. And then once he was behind Debo, he was behind Brian Edwards, and he never needed to be the guy. Coming into this year, I want you. if you look at his statistics, I understand where you might be concerned. But this year, he was li- quite literally the Gamecocks' only receiver. And he was getting almost double covered multiple times. But when he came in before the injury, because correct me if I'm wrong, he also got injured there for a little bit and had some complications. Yeah. But before that, I mean, he was literally – he did not drop a pass his freshman year. And that was saying something with who we had throwing to him and then – the Gamecocks offense as a whole was just questionable going after that. So he has that potential and that's a little, little bit of bias there into it. But I, I think I, I was very ecstatic when getting him that late and letting him fall to us. Now I'll throw it back to Tyler to just talk real quick about Thomas Fletcher and Phil Hoskins, long snapper and then out of Alabama and then defensive tackle out of Kentucky. Just his thoughts on whatever the thought process, if there is one there. Yeah. After all that long snapper film I watched, you know, I think no, I'm kidding. I did not watch it. The touch of long snapper film all season, but um, you know, playing for Bama, multi, you know, multi-game starter. Um, he's seen the big stage. Um, you know, that's all you can really ask for. Uh, I'm guessing they had good times on the snaps or else they wouldn't have taken them. And, uh, you know, you just hope you can maybe add another starter. Uh, I mean, we were just as surprised as he was when he got drafted. <laughs> oh, he was, that was pretty awesome. That was really awesome to see. Yeah, but maybe he can push for, you know, that starting long snapper spot. If not, Never. maybe, you know, J.J. Jansen, you know, Never. love him. But he's on a one-year contract. And uh, if, you know, we if we're not able to re-sign him after that, elevate, Thomas Fletcher from our practice squad. And there we go. We got our, our guy. So, you know, I'm excited about that. One thing, if he, whoever is our long snapper, I hope they don't make him a 20 overall tight end in Madden because uh, I'm kind of sick of that. It's the neglection of uh, long snappers in that game. So if anybody from EA Sports is listening to this, uh, make a long snap. Uh, that's, that's my two cents on Thomas Fletcher. And then with Phil Hoskins, um, uh, fun fact is he is a uh, 6'4", which is uh, pretty big for a defensive tackle. It's, it's fine. Um, he actually is in the zero percentile for hand size among all defensive tackles uh, of all time. So he's 6'4 and has the smallest hands of defensive tackle. Fun fact. Um, I didn't actually not I was not able to watch Hoskins when I uh, when I did his when I threw the through the past couple months. But uh, he's a, a guy from Kentucky that we can add to the defensive line uh, depth chart and maybe he can be for a spot. With won't need to buy. We'll have to buy extra, extra personalized gloves for him, I guess. We're going, hey, but one thing, I, one thing I will you. say, huh? 
about to start buying youth gloves for his ass, man. That shit, Maybe he shit. saves money on that. But what I will say, go just as we wrap up, is that like Tyler mentioned it, and it really made me excited for it. As Panthers fans, the preseason is something we have not been excited about for, or it's hard to get excited about <laughs> for a long while because there's just instead of after Kelvin and especially with Cam. Every preseason, we're just sitting there going, okay, who's going to get out for the season? Who is going to get injured in this preseason practice or game? And we're, who are we going to lose? So I know for me, I'm always at the – like for four weeks, I'm just anxious. And I don't like it. And I hope that everyone stays healthy with this. This is one of the more excited – there's going to be so much that can change in our roster and depth chart. Like We think it's like set in stone. But especially with the free agents we have, with the fresh, with the, with the roster, the rookies we have, there's a lot that can change and only in my mind go well and go better and there's going to be a lot like i honestly wish we were doing like an all or nothing or like a hard knocks for this year i think it would be amazing and so entertaining to watch yeah yeah look man with the, with the amount of rookies we have the preseason this year will be the most exciting it's been in nearly a decade because like, i mean we think about we had a lot of veteran teams we knew who our we knew who our guys were but now we're transitioning into a new era last year didn't get to have a preseason this year we'll get to see We'll get a we'll get a big a, a a greater glimpse of the coaches, the younger players, and is it is it with eleven with the adding eleven new guys? It's gonna be a, this 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 preseason will be the one of the more important ones that we've seen. Definitely for such a young team that's trying to build depth, um, this is where it's going to really matter, especially for these guys that are going to be making the roster and, you know, coming through, uh, you know, injuries are inevitable. And we will look at, um, you know, especially along the offensive line, we picked up, you know, guys like, you know, Deontay Brown, like we talked about, David Moore was a UDFA pickup who I think could make the roster and, you know, he might see some time if there's injuries down the road. You're not, you're, it's really rare that you keep all five off slime and healthy. So these guys that could be rotating in and could be making the roster, it's really their time to shine. And, you know, I guess that's the next step um, after the draft is getting to that preseason. And I'm excited for it. Well, the board is set. Fitter has got all the pieces in place. And we just got to see how Rule and Brady and Snow are able to actually utilize them. And up until then, I mean, it's all just going to be speculation. It's going to be one long, long off season. I can tell you that because I mean, like I said, this is one of the most excited I've been because there's just so much up in the air that we don't know. And for the first time, there's a lot of just, there's just a lot. That's up, and there's a lot we just don't know. And there's a lot that we can be excited about. And that's nice to feel for a Panthers fan. There's a lot that can go wrong. And, but we we're always aware of that. Yeah. We, we can tell you that more than most, but it's going to be interesting to see. And so unfortunately we're just gonna have to sit tight, keep waiting. And until then keep bounding.